Today is the third Sunday of the uh, Coptic month of Abib, and we read the very common story of the feeding of the multitude, where Christ uh, went into a deserted place with his apostles, wanting to speak with them privately. But then the multitude of people who knew that the Lord had gone there followed him and wanted him to, um, to attend to them and to feed them. Um, and so it says, uh, then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. So when it uses this word privately, it means that the Lord wanted to be alone. He wanted to be alone with his disciples. He was not in that moment thinking to himself that he wanted to go and preach, or he wanted to go spend time with the people, or he wanted to visit them, or he wanted to do miracles. This was a time where he wanted to be alone with his disciples privately. But when the people came, he quickly changed his plans to accommodate them. And so we see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that he was very adaptable and very flexible. He didn't have one rigid idea in his mind of what it is that he wanted to do, but he was able to change and to move and to be flexible for the sake of love, for the sake of showing love to the people. And this is something very important that maybe sometimes we forget. When we are trying to do a task or to serve even in some way, maybe we have in our mind there is one way it's supposed to be done, there is one timetable it should be done in, there is one location it should be done, and in everything I have a plan in my mind of what I'm planning to do. But when maybe something unexpected happens, or when I see that there are people who are in need, or when I see that the people need to be served in a different way perhaps than I had in my mind to serve them, what is my response? Sometimes we are inflexible. We don't want to change. We just have one set fixed way that we want to do something and we're not willing to, to flex, we're not willing to yield in order to accommodate the people. So I want to speak a little bit today about flexibility, right? It says, but when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. He did all these things even though it was not in his plan to do so. Right, So in some sense, you could say all of his plans were ruined, but we know actually that his plans were not ruined because his, his goal and his focus is to serve the people, and this was the way that he could serve the people in that moment. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who had need of healing. So what are some principles of flexibility that we should keep in our minds? The first is be willing to move. Right? This is one aspect of flexibility. We see this example in um, the life of Abraham. When he was called by God to move to a new land, it says, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now certainly Abraham did not realize in that moment what this entailed that actually God was going to make a covenant with him and all the rest of the history of Israel would be kind of based on this moment of Abraham being called to go to a new land which would eventually become the land of Israel. But in the life of Abraham, you could think very much that he was um, established in the place where he was living, that he had no issue to remain there. He did not want to leave. And yet God came to him suddenly and he told him, no, I want you to move from here and I want you to travel thousands of miles to a place that you have never been, to a place that you, you, you do not even have any family that lives there. And even though you don't know anything about it, I want you to trust me. This is a flexibility, right? In order for us to be able to listen to the voice of God saying something like this to us, we have to be very flexible. 
How is it that I can do this if I'm very, very have in my mind that no, I have to remain where I am. I cannot move. There is only one place for me. And yet if God calls us, we are called to move. Also, to be flexible, we shouldn't be attached to our current situation. We see this in the example uh, of, of uh, Lot and his family. When he was living in the city of Sodom, God said that he was going to destroy this city. So he is telling Lot, leave your place. Leave this place so you could save yourselves, save yourselves and your family. It says, so it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And we know the story of Lot's wife, that after they began to escape, her heart was still attached to her home, to where is it that she had lived. So she turned back and looked, even though God told them not to look back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Um, so sometimes, again, we are attached to the situation we're in, and we're not willing even to leave when it is something harmful to us. I mean, if they left, if they stayed in that place, they would have been destroyed with fire. It was some place that was harmful. It was a bad influence on them. It was filled with people who were immoral and wicked. And yet, their heart and Lot's wife's heart was still attached to that place. Look how much sometimes we do not want to change and we're afraid of change. Even when we're in a place that is filled with wickedness, when there's something that is a very bad situation, something is a very painful, difficult situation, we do not want to leave. See, they say that people who are in an abusive relationship, even though their, their spouse maybe is abusive, they do not want to leave the situation they're in oftentimes because they are used to this. This is, this is a comfort, some kind of a comfort to be in the place that they have always been, and it is frightening to try to make a change. It is frightening to leave. So sometimes we find ourselves in, in a difficult situation or a painful situation, and maybe God is calling us to make a change. He's saying, don't stay in this wicked place. Don't continue to do these wicked things and go to a new place and God will provide for us. But again, we have to have flexibility. We can't just say, no, I've always done it this way and this is the way I will continue to do it. Another um, principle of flexibility is, is not to be married to our position. We see this in the life of King Herod. When King Herod knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was born, he went and he called for uh, all of the children uh, that were two years old and younger to be killed so that he could keep his position as being king because he knew that, the, that Jesus was to be a king and he wanted only to be the king. He didn't want there to be another person who was born king. So he, he went and he's, he commanded that all children who were two years old and younger to be killed to protect himself. When, um, when the, the three wise men came to visit King Herod, and he asked them, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is what the three kings are saying. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. He was troubled at the idea that there was a person who is coming to threaten his position. He's threatening his position. Again, sometimes we are inflexible. What if there is someone else who is to take the position that we have? What if someone else is to come and to do a job that we have been historically used to doing? And maybe God is calling us to do something else. We have to remember that we are not the owners, but we are the stewards. All of us, my, myself as the priest, the deacons, all the Sunday school servants, all the people who are in our life, in our job, God gives us maybe to be in a certain position at a certain time for a certain purpose. But it doesn't mean that we will be here forever. 
And maybe a time will come where God will say, someone else should take this position. Someone else needs to take this role. So we shouldn't be so attached to the things that we are doing, to, to be so attached to the positions that we have. Maybe we see this so much at work, where people do not even want to share information because they feel like it is job security. If nobody else knows what it is that I know, then no one can remove me from my position or put someone else in my place. Again, a principle of flexibility. If God calls me to a different role, to a different position, maybe in a different place, then I should be willing to move. Again, like Abraham, I'm willing to move. I'm not so attached to the place where I am because I'm a traveler, someone who is called by God, someone who's following God. If God leads me to one place, I will go. If he leads me to a different place, I will go. Our rank is not determined by the positions that we have in this life, but our rank is based on our citizenship in heaven, which is based on our holiness, which is based on our virtue, our relationship with God, not about any specific function that we are doing here on earth. Another principle of flexibility is that we should accept God's timing. Um, for instance, when the Lord went to the disciples, before they were disciples, when they were fishermen, and he told them to leave behind their nets and to, come and to leave behind their boats, and to leave behind even the miraculous catch of fish that they had caught, and to come and to follow him, right? This is, again, requires flexibility. Can I leave all of this? Can I leave my career behind? Can I leave what it is that God is calling me to leave in order to follow him? This is, again, requires flexibility. Also, we see this example in Levi, the tax collector. It says, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Levi, who is Matthew, the evangelist, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, he would not have any of these experiences if he was rigid in the way that he dealt with things. Again, he could have said, I have my job, my career, I have my tax collection that I have to do. Why should I leave all of this in order to come and to follow this man? Right? Who is this man for me to follow him? <clears throat> and yet God saw that this was his time. This was the time for him to be called. We see other examples where maybe people were unwilling to accept, right, the time. And the man um, uh, who, after he was called, says, and, and another also, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Meaning, I still have attachments to the things in the world. I'm not ready now to come, and so let me go and bid farewell. What he really meant was, is I'm not ready now, right? I'm not ready now. Or in Luke 9, 62, where, where the Lord said, uh, in response, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Meaning, if we are to move forward with the calling that the Lord is calling us, then we have to be willing to let go of something, right? Oftentimes, the things that we currently have are our greatest obstacles. The things that we keep, the things that we hold tight to, those are the things that actually prevent us from experiencing joy. Those are the things that prevent us from experiencing the fullness of what God wants us to have. It's not that there is something out there that we need as much as it is there is something we already have that we have to let go of. We have to let go of a certain relationship. We have to let go of a certain habit. You know, We have to let go of something that is blocking us, that is harming us. And so when we look back again, it is like after we have been called to righteousness, we have been called to purity, we have been called to something good that God has prepared, Instead of continuing down that road, we want to look back and we see and remember what it is that we had and our hearts long for it. Just like the Israelites, after they had been released from their slavery and went into the desert, it says what their heart longed for Egypt again, because they saw the struggles in the desert. 
and they wanted to go back again and they remembered it with fondness even though they were slaves and they were miserable we have to accept God's timing when he says it's time to move now it is time to move it is time to go it is time to let go of the things that we already have hold that that, that we are having hold of and maybe has hold on, on us another principle of flexibility is being able to co cooperate with others St. Paul, when he was speaking to the Corinthians, he spoke about the ministry as being not only about him. It wasn't that he was the only one who was serving the people. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. St. Paul was not a one-man show. He worked with others. He wanted the ministry, the ministry to succeed, whether it included him or included others, whether he was the focus or other people were the focus. Do we find ourselves having difficulty accommodating other people in our lives, accommodating the ideas of other people, being able to work well with other people? Maybe this is a sign that we are rigid, that we are not flexible. Maybe we feel like I want to be the center of focus, center of attention. Maybe we think that if my ideas are not the one that are implemented, then that's something bad about me. And I, again, I don't want to give up that control. Again, cooperating with others is a very important principle in our life, whether it be in our home to be able to have peace with one another, whether it be at work to be able to work well with other people, whether it be in the church to be able to serve with other people successfully. Instead of me focusing on myself and my self-exaltation, I should desire the success of others. Even if that success is at my own expense, you know, um, seeking... Um, you know the goodwill of everyone even if i'm not in charge even if i've not been placed as the one who has control and authority i'm still cooperating i'm still thankful i'm still serving and working together with others this also requires uh, flexibility another principle of flexibility is to accept criticism uh, speaking about apollos who was preaching it says in acts 18 when Aquila and priscilla heard him they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Apollos was an apostle. So imagine that you have an apostle who is preaching and he says some things are incorrect. And you have this married couple who comes to him and says, let me teach you the way of God more accurately. Ha imagine yourself in that situation. What is it that your response would be? You know, maybe our response would be, I am an apostle, who are you to come to criticize me, right? But that's not what he did. He acknowledged that there were some things maybe he didn't know, and so he received that, that criticism and that teaching from them to help improve him, right? And so criticism is part of any job or any service or any kind of interaction. Maybe we are going to receive criticism for people. How is it that we can accept that criticism? The people who are the most successful in the world are people who are willing to be coached, meaning they have a professional criticizer. They have someone who is going to look at them and tell them, here's the things that I think you can improve on. Here's things that maybe you are doing not as good as it can be, and here's how you can get better. When we deal with criticism in a, in a constructive and a positive way, then actually we have a lot of room for growth, whereas when we deal it in a negative way, then maybe we will again be stuck because we are not flexible. Another um, point about flexibility is that we should adapt our thoughts and beliefs based on what is happening around us. For instance, St. Peter w believed that God did not want him 
to go and preach to the Gentiles. Actually, all the apostles believed that the Gentiles were not called for salvation. And so God allowed St. Peter to see a vision where he saw these animals coming down from heaven in this blanket, uh, animals that had been considered unclean, and God was telling him in this vision to eat these animals. And this was a sign to him that the Gentiles were not unclean, that he can go and to communicate and talk with the Gentiles, and that the Gentiles actually would also be saved, not only the Jews. When the people, when the other apostles heard that St. Peter actually went to Cornelius the Gentile and preached to him, they were shocked. And they said to him, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. This was against the law. And yet, once the apostles heard the story of St. Peter and how God called him, they all changed their, their, their thinking. They all changed their mind. They, they did not remain rigid in their understanding. They realized that they were wrong. They realized that they didn't have the right understanding, that God actually was calling the Gentiles for salvation from the beginning. All right? And now it is, it is coming to pass. It is God is implementing this plan of salvation for them. And so you see very quickly... They begin to accept the Gentiles. They go to preach to the Gentiles. And nothing about them shows that they have any bias against them. Contrast this with Jonah the prophet. Jonah the prophet, God called him to go and preach to the people of Nineveh, which were the enemies of Israel. And yet Jonah did not want to yield. He did not want to change his thoughts. He did not want to say, well, maybe God is calling them for salvation and he's using me as a prophet in order to help with their salvation. No, he didn't say this. He ran away and refused to go and to preach to them. So we have to adapt the way that we think. Maybe, maybe we have a wrong thought, a wrong idea, a wrong principle, a wrong way of seeing the world or to see other people. And maybe we need to reevaluate or revisit these thoughts. I can't say just because I've always believed a certain thing or thought a certain way, then that means that that is, has to be correct. I should reevaluate and review in the light of the things that I experience in the world. Maybe I have a wrong idea about something. Maybe I need to change. Maybe even my understanding of God is wrong and I need to adapt it um, and change it. Which leads us to this point about admitting when we are wrong, admitting when we have sinned, admitting when we have hurt another person. Um, we see this um, example uh, with uh, King Saul. King Saul was called by God to destroy uh, the people of Amalek, including their king, and to destroy all of their animals and everything that they kind of um, captured in this battle. Um, uh, and then when he didn't do that, when King Saul didn't follow God's command, Samuel the prophet came and rebuked him. He told him, you didn't do what God asked you to do. You didn't kill the animals, you didn't kill the king. So this was King Saul's response to him. It says, and Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So what is it that King Saul, king Saul said? King Saul, number one, he blamed everything on the people. He says the people are the one who took it. And why is it that they took it? Well, they took it because they wanted to offer it as a sacrifice to God, right? They didn't take it for selfish reasons. They took it because they wanted to offer sacrifice. But actually, God did not tell them to offer sacrifice. He told them to destroy all those things and not to capture it, just to destroy it. And so Samuel is responding to King Saul. And he says what? Has the Lord as great delight 
in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Meaning, God wants you to obey and submit to him. He's not caring about you offering sacrifice. There is a time for sacrifice, but this is not it. Here, God asks you to obey him in something and you should obey. This is also a point of flexibility. Sometimes, again, we are so rigid in our understanding, we are unwilling to admit that we have made a mistake, that we have a wrong understanding, that we have failed in some way, and so we continue to defend ourselves, defend ourselves, defend ourselves, without even considering the possibility that I am at fault, right? And when we deal with someone who can never admit that they're in, at fault in anything, it's very difficult to deal with that person because it's, you can't ever really have a, a conversation about uh, real issues with them. In the end, they are completely convinced of their way and are not flexible to admit at all that they are wrong. Contrast this with King David. King David, when he had sinned, he was approached by Nathan the prophet, and the very first thing that King David said after he was confronted with his sin is he said, I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. Very, very flexible. As much as King David's sin was so horrible, and yet when he came and was confronted, he immediately, without hesitation, he, he admitted his sin. Right? Because King David was flexible. King David's life, if you look at his life, he went from place to place and he followed God in so many ways. He was, he was a very good uh, example of flexibility to us. The last point I want to mention uh, when it comes to flexibility is forgiving. In the parable of the unforgiving servant, there was these two servants. And one servant, he owed this master a lot of money and he couldn't pay. And so the master, being kind, he forgave him the debt, even though the debt was a debt that he couldn't pay even if he tried to his whole entire life. Um, so that, that uh, servant was thankful. But then he went to his fellow servant, and that servant owed him some money, much, much less money. But when he couldn't pay, he refused to forgive his debt. And, uh, and then in the end, when the master found out, he put that first servant in prison because he was not merciful to his fellow servant. It says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid his hand on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. This is also um, a mark of inflexibility. I hold on to grudges. I will never let go of those grudges. I will always remember the hurt. I will always remember what these people have said to me or done to me, and I cannot let go of it. And maybe we feel justified in this, or we feel that the, when we hold on to the grudge, we are somehow winning or having victory over another person. Actually, we are the ones who are suffering when we do not let go of grudges. We are the ones who become victims when we do not let go of grudges because we are boiling with anger and hatred inside. This is, again, a mark of inflexibility. I have my thoughts, I have my way, I have my attitude, I have my ideas, and I will never change them. I will never yield them. They will always be the same, and I can never begin to even consider forgiving someone. Forgiveness is not contingent also on apology. There is a difference between someone who comes to apologize and then say, I forgive you, and maybe I reconcile with you and restore relationship again. No, forgiveness is something we initiate inside of ourselves. Forgiveness means I do not hold gr a grudge against you. I do not hate you. I do not desire your destruction. You know, And that's something that I can forgive anyone at any moment. I don't even have to go speak to them. It is not based on them coming to say I'm sorry. 
Because again, if, if we're basing our forgiveness on someone coming to say, I'm sorry, then maybe they will never come. And again, we will be victims of our hatred toward them. But for me to forgive another person means that in myself, I recognize that I am a sinner and I am no better than anyone. And so I cannot hold a grudge against another person's sin, against something that another person has done. Think of the number of times we ourselves have been forgiven by God. Can we not then forgive other people? even though we have been forgiven countless times for things that are far worse maybe than what others have done to us. And so this is again another point of flexibility. For me to be flexible means I cannot continue holding on to the grudges that I have against others but to forgive them. So we spoke about nine points regarding flexibility. Number one, be willing to move. Wherever it is that I am, maybe God is calling me to another place. Don't be attached to your situation. Right? Maybe even the place that I am is a wicked place, and yet I continue to remain there, or it is a place that is damaging to me. Don't be attached to it. Don't remain there in that place when God is calling you to move. Don't be married to your position. We shouldn't be so, so um, obsessed with our ranks and positions that we have in the world. Right? Be flexible. Maybe God wants me to serve him in another place or to have a different rank or different position in some other place, whether it be in my home or at work or in the church or wherever it might be. Number four, accept God's timing. Oftentimes, God's timing is not what we expect. Abraham was not expecting that in that moment, God would come to him and say, I want you to move to, a, to another place. But God's timing is always better than our own timing. Number five, cooperate with other people. Be, have a good relationship with others and serve together and work together in harmony, not each person trying to take credit um, or praise from the other. Number six, accept criticism. When someone comes and tells me I need to improve my work in some way or improve uh, something about the way that I speak or the way that I think or something that I do, accept it. Accept it as though it is coming from the mouth of God. Okay, And don't become angry at that person who is criticizing us. Number seven, adapting our beliefs and thoughts. When St. Peter learned that God actually accepted the Gentiles, he changed. He changed his thoughts. He changed his attitude, unlike Jonah the prophet who refused to do the same. Number eight, admit when you are wrong. Whenever we are wrong, we have to be open and honest with that. We don't gain anything by continuing to defend ourselves when we have done nothing, or, or sorry, when we, have f we have, when we have made a mistake. Sometimes, actually, the reason that we refuse to admit that we are wrong is because we think that somehow our reputation is going to be tarnished if we go out and say, yes, I was wrong. But that's actually a fallacy. You know, because that means that I believe that, that I am perfect and that everyone sees me as perfect. And so I can't even admit that I have done anything wrong to tarnish my perfect reputation. But actually, anyone knows when someone is imperfect, regardless of whether they defend themselves or not. Someone might come and defend themselves, even though we know about them that they're completely wrong and completely mistaken in something. Their, their, their self-defense does not make us to see them in a higher or more respectful way. Actually, their self-defense, when they are clearly wrong, makes us to disrespect, makes us to, to feel like this person is being prideful, this person is not humble, this person is not willing to admit their failures, even though their failures are obvious, right? When we defend ourselves, we are not doing ourselves a favor when we defend ourselves when we are clearly in the wrong. And then lastly, to be flexible in forgiveness, to forgive other people who have wronged us. So may God allow us to be like him, 
who even though he wanted to go and spend time privately with his apostles, and yet when the people came, he completely changed his plans, he completely changed, and he served, and he did, instead of maybe spending a relaxing time with them, he gave of his time to serve the people, to, to heal them, to feed them, and to speak to them about the kingdom of God, and glory be to God forever. Amen.